It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, we're going to play a little round of I Know I Think I Doubt, Brown's off-season edition. You guys know how this works. I give you a question. Your answer is either I Know I Think I Doubt, and then we will discuss afterwards. And Tyvis, my friend, you are up first. Mm. The statement I give you here, Deshaun Watson will play like a top-eight quarterback in 2024. I Know I Think I Doubt. What say you? <coughs> eight. It's interesting. Why did you pick the cutoff? Yeah, why did you pick eight? Because I wanted to put Tyvis on the spot here. It is, it, that was good, putting eight. I like that. I'm going to go with I think. I'm going to go with I think on this one. And the only reason I'm going to go with I think is because I, I got to see what the other moves the Browns make at this current moment. Like how the roster currently is constructed. Like, I think he can have some success. Obviously, I know that they are capable of doing it. Joe Flacco did it. But right now, it's so many different pieces. You know, new offensive staff. Um, I got to see how that work plays out. And then I got to see how he comes back from the shoulder injury, how he looks from that. I think that, you know, confidence-wise, I think he'll have his confidence back because he left on such a good note, knowing that he could still make plays and still win games and in crunch time get things done. I think he believes that he knows he got good playmakers now because Joe Flacco raised the play of all of these guys. So he knows that these guys are capable of making plays. The only my, my biggest thing is not that it's a new coach and staff in there as far as offensive minds. I got to see how they gel with Deshaun first. And that's why I'm at I think right now. <clears throat> Jason, what is your reaction to Tyvis going with I think? Not top 12, but top 8. <laughs> I like that. It's an interesting dividing line. Uh, what would you go? What would you, would you have gone with? I would have probably put I doubt. Just of course because, you would. Just because of the amount of terrific quarterback play in the NFL. Like, you don't have to think very hard to think of 8 really good quarterbacks. Yes, you do. No, you okay, don't. I would go with I doubt also, and, and let me tell you why. Mahomes, Burrow. Well, Allen. you put him 16th yesterday. Yeah, so that's here we go. Twice Lamar. as many. Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, Jordan Love. There's uh, that nine. might be eight already. That's nine. That's already nine. And there's other guys that I would be surprised if he did better than. Uh, he could be. If jo- you had said be 12, I might have gotten to I think. Yeah, he could beat Jordan Love. He could be Jordan Love. That still gets him. He nine. could, but he, I doubt. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, it's I about mean, if if they if I could was an option. Or he could. I would. Let me ask you could, this: If they went out and signed Mike Evers or T Higgins, what would you say? Would that change you in any it's way? It's funny that you asked that because either Earl or G asked the same type of question to me yesterday <laughs> when we were having this conversation about Deshaun, and ultimately. The difference is that I thought when the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson that they had acquired one of the very few quarterbacks that could raise that, the play. That could raise the play, and that you didn't have to have That's a third to be. That's how, yeah. great pass I mean, catcher. Joe, did, Joe Flacco did it with the same unit. Now, he did it in a short sample size. He did do it. And in he it. threw a ton of interceptions. He sure but, did, yeah. yeah. So, would I like Deshaun Watson's prospects better if they added a top 25 wide receiver? Of course. I still would doubt that he's top eight. Eight is up. Top eight. You you give me ten or twelve, and I might change my I mind. I mean, he, but in twenty twenty three, he was nowhere close to the top eight. Right. And if I got to 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 say he's going to be top eight, that means I have to assume he's going to be healthy for the whole year. And if I assume he's going to be healthy for the whole year, then I got to assume Burrow's going to be healthy for the whole year. And all these other quarterbacks that got hurt this year, I have to go under the same assumption that they're all going to stay healthy. And if they do, the, the the odds of him being top eight based on his play the last two years is not high. Jason, you're up next. I know I think I doubt. Miles Garrett will repeat as the 2024 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think, do you know, or do you doubt? I would like, but I doubt. <laughs> In the 50-plus year history of NFL Defensive Player of the Year, only three guys have ever repeated. Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald, and J.J. Watt. Now, obviously, Donald and Watt, it's a little bit more recent. 
but there just isn't a very long track record of guys winning it in back-to-back years. It doesn't happen very often. And, you know, a lot of people call it a sort of a lifetime achievement award for miles this year. Well, guess what? Uh, 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 I just name fell on my head. Dallas. Oh, Michael, Michael Parsons. Parsons. Parsons hasn't won one yet. So maybe yeah. he's up next year. It's so dumb that we think of it. This I way. know, but that's the way it's that they wrong. Do. But, it, but that's yeah, the way that I they think do. It's, it's truth. Yeah. So I, I mean, he could if he has another monster year. Like, yeah. but he's got to have a better year than he had this year. Like that's the thing. So now he's got to have better numbers across the board than what he had this year to even be, you know, I think a serious candidate to win it next year, which is possible. But I just, you, sorry guys, I doubt. You it. woke up negative. That's I doubt. To well, I don't think that's negative at all. Miles Garrett could be could be great next year and still not win the defensive player of the year. In my text to Mike, I said, I doubt, I doubt, I know, I am the Grinch because he calls me the Grinch at <laughs> UCSS. So I, I have to agree with Jason. I'm on I doubt too, and it's not because Miles. As he said, I mean, he gave you the reasons. It's pretty simple. It's hard to win the award. There's a lot of great players. It's funny. The MVP has become a quarterback award. And the defensive player of the year has basically become a pass rusher award. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. The, the other guys don't really get serious consideration. So it limits the number. I mean, there's only like 10, 15 guys really that could win the award probably. But the competition's so tough every year that if this year it was close with him and Micah Parsons and TJ Watt, mm-hmm. I agree with Jason. If it's close between those guys again next year, it'll probably be Michael Parsons that'll win it because he hasn't won and the other guys have. Yeah. I agree so. with that. I agree with that statement. Yeah. That's typically how it works. Yeah. I just, I, I, I want to go on record and say, I think. Okay. Official, I think. Official, I think. If he was confident, he would say, <laughs> I know. But it's an official, I think. I don't, I don't bet it. I don't like Bull, to bet against you. I'm up next. Bull's up. Bull, any Brown receiver. Not named Amari Cooper will finish the 2024 season with 900 more receiving yards. That is any pass catcher. Tight ends count. Do you know? Do you think? Or do you doubt? I think I put. I think. I think I Didn't put. I? I think. I think. Anthony I think. will take the graphic when he's there. Yes, there you said is. you think. I think because first of all, hey, we got a positive bull. This was pass catcher. Uh, now Mike wrote receiver in the question, but I asked him to clarify if he specifically meant just receivers. David Njoku was 18 yards shy of 900 this past year. Now, did he play his best with Joe Flacco? He did. But I would think after this breakout year, you know, you assume the Browns will be healthier next year, that he has a good chance to get the 900 yards next year. And I also think the Browns will be aggressive in terms of trying to get a proven wide receiver. And if they got a Calvin Ridley or a T. Higgins – I can't imagine how the Bengals don't franchise T. Higgins, so I'm going to start stop talking about him. But if they get a Calvin Ridley or a Marquise Brown or, or Mike Evans, certainly, I mean, those guys would have a shot. Now, the only thing I'm worried about is if you get a Calvin Ridley, say, or a Marquise Brown, that both Njoku and that guy would end up in the 800s. 850, yeah. So that's, kind, that's kind of what the cap that, out of 900 possible, was, yes. But in the end, 900 is not crazy. You're not asking for three guys to get there. You're only asking for a second guy. I'm going to say that even if I, even though Jason and I just said Deshaun Watson's not going to be a top eight quarterback, hmm. I certainly think he's going to be a lot better than he was, has been. So even if he's the 15th best quarterback in the league, hmm. it still means he'll throw for about 4,000 yards or, or high 3,000s, which means there'll be some more yards to go around. And I think somebody will get there. I, well, I, I think there's a good chance. I'm not, it's not a definite, but I like, I think, I think. Will Deshaun have a better season than Baker? I think he will. Yes. Okay. Okay. Baker never has two good years in a row. He'll go back. Is that, that might Here's be, what happens. I think that might be true, actually. It, <laughs> is, it, is. it is true. He was he was good, good for a rookie. I think that. I'm that, sorry. I think like, that might as be a rookie, fictional. he was good for a rookie, but it wasn't. He was good in 2020. There's no time like the present. Uh, and he was well. Actually, he was bad two years in a row. So. I mean, it's two good years with 2020 and 2023. So he's not had two good years in a row. I guess you could argue 19 and 20 was well, bad as a rookie, If he had two bad years, then should you counter that by having two good maybe years? Maybe it's two. We'll see. But I, I, I'm going to say Watson it ends up the 15th best quarterback this year, and Baker is the 18th best quarterback. That's definitive from Bull. Jason, you you're back up on the clock. Well, these guys didn't. I think Mike's trying to move on. Oh, no, you guys go. No, I, what do you guys? I agree. You agree with, I think? Tyvis. Tyvis on the nine Yeah, nine. no, no, I think so, too. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought they agreed. That's my bad. I wasn't trying to no, rush you guys. Jason, you're up with this one. I know I think I doubt. The Browns will have a top three pass defense in 2024. They were top three in 2023. Can they repeat? 
You say? Come on, man. Of course I'm, I doubt. <laughs> oh, my. What Here's why. Here's why. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you why. They were second this year. Who was the- first? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Kansas City? And second based on what? Just pass Pass defense. I don't buy that as a legitimate way to rank. Well, that's that's how Mike... For this it. argument, so that's, that's how we're going. It's going to be tough. First, they was, play first some, was actually the Panthers. They play some crazy. Carolina was number one. The Browns yeah. were number two. The Jets were number three. They, and, the Carolina must couldn't stop the run this year. Uh, but the reason why I chose I doubt for this, the Browns didn't really play a ton of elite quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, who were healthy and productive. Here's the list of quarterbacks they got to play next year. Lamar twice, of course. Burrow twice. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Dak, Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Trevor Lawrence. Now, if all those guys are healthy, that's 10 of their 17 games against some pretty doggone good quarterback play. So, for that reason, I mean, top three, again, you could be really good and not fall in the top three. This is like the top eight conversation. You could yeah. be top 10 and not top eight. So, for for the just the fact of the, the schedule that they have to play next year is going to be a pretty tough schedule and the quarterbacks that they face are all really, really good or a number of them, a high number of them are really good. I'm going to say, I doubt for top three, they could still be very good and yeah. not be in the top. And three. who knows? Like the Broncos and commanders will have new quarterbacks. So That's right. They might have, but you're right. I mean, get guys could get hurt next year too, but sure. on paper, you have to assume health, the 10th, the 10th best quarterback. And we, we count Lamar and burrow as two guys, right. essentially, because he played them twice. The 10th best guy you mentioned, I think was Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if you, that's where you want to rank them. Uh, I just went in order of the of yeah, how they appeared on right, the schedule. Right, but I, I, unless I'm Lamar, Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, Dak, Tua, Jalen, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I'd say he's t- Tua or Trevor Lawrence. Take your pick. Was that Tua or Lawrence? Whoever you want to say. We play Sam Fran next year. Yeah, I mean, if Tua and Lawrence are essentially the ninth and tenth best quarterbacks you're playing, you're playing good quarterbacks. You're playing a lot of good quarterbacks. Yeah, so it's going to be hard. Three is a really high bar. You give me. Eight for that one, yeah. I'll probably give you a yes. Another thing is, if this were the 80s or even the 90s or or where defenses kind of stayed together, yeah. and I know the Browns aren't going to lose a lot of key pieces this year, but in the, in the modern NFL, defenses fluctuate from year to year. Yeah. No matter, you can bring back a lot of the same players, coaches, it just happens that way. So I think the Browns will still be a good defense, but being top three is tough. I'm kind of, if I had to choose, I'd want to be in the border in between, I doubt, and I think. But that's why it's a tough thing. I'd have to go, I doubt, with, with Jason. You're going, I think? I'm going what I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> Stand on some business, yeah. time. It's wow. okay. Because I'm sick wow. of the disrespect around here. Oh, I'm sure that the chat is going bananas how Jason and I hate the Browns. Yeah, we're no, negative I'm gonna say all I, the time. I'm going to say I know because I, I'm i going to go out on a limb and say that Denzel won't miss that many games next year. Well, how many did he miss? I, what did he miss? Three? He's three? good for three He misses three every yeah. year. That's what I'm going to I'm I'm go out on a limb and say he's going to miss maybe just he misses, one. Maybe he misses the right three. <laughs> he's going to miss just one <laughs> Against, game. Uh, the, you know, the scrubby, yeah. the few scrub no, teams you're playing. I do think that I think they're going to spend this offseason trying to figure out, you know, how to be better defensively. I think they have a really good defensive scheme um, that everybody understands, but the problem is – the quarterbacks for the other teams, especially those veteran quarterbacks, they recognize what's coming. So I think this year they're going to more be more so in disguises to try to confuse it. Mm-hmm. My only concern with the pass defense, because, you know, the rush and the pass tie together, is I need to know who that other defensive end is going to be next year. That's a big right. key piece. Well, if we he, get to that. If that guy is important, if, that, if it's a guy that's coming yeah. in that's productive, I think that ultimately helps the pass defense because no these, cause our corners are really good, especially in the first 15 yards of a play. They're really good in first 15. Like if a, if a route is more than 15, 
and it's not Denzel, I get kind of concerned. But right. anything outside of that, I think these guys are really good. So I'm going to say I know from that standpoint because I'm going on a leap of faith that that defensive end that they get opposite of Miles will be productive. All right. All right, Tyvis, you're up next. You should kind of ask my next one because that relates to what Tyvis just said. But It does, but I think Tyvis can get a little order. spicy okay. here. Tyvis, Nick Chubb will rush for 1,125 yards in 2024. Wow. I know, I think, I doubt. My name is now Tyvis Lloyd because I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it for the simple fact, not because I doubt Nick Chubb. I doubt it because I don't think he'll play in 17 games. And then when he comes back, think he's going to be on a pitch count, which is going to slow him down. I just don't think he's going to get to 1,100 yards in that next season. I think he could get to 900, 800 or something like that. But I think he'll be splitting carries, and it'll take him a while to fully get back, and that's going to mess up his numbers in the long run. I don't know if they're going to run it enough to get him to 1,100, even if he is healthy. What Deshaun say on that podcast? We're going to throw the ball. So we'll see. Six years in the league, three times he's been over 1,100. You would think that's like automatic for him. All right, let's think about it this way, guys. How many games, what's our best guess as to how many games Nick Chubb plays this year? 14? I was going to say 13. To 13 14. games. 13 Tw- to 14. You uh, say 12? Around, yeah, something like that. 12. No, it's 17 games in the season. Yeah. So let's say 13. I mean, let's say 15. Yeah, yeah, let, let's month. say, yeah, first okay. month. Okay. So how many carries do we think he's going to average per game? And what game? Okay. Well, because well, like in the first let's couple of first month, 15. Is that 15 per game? Like 15, 15 yeah, per game oh, for the year. So 13 times 15 is 195 carries. Let's say in those carries, he's as good as he was. Let's say average, which is what? Almost six yards of carry? Just for give him? him six yards of carry for the sake of I was, argument. I was going to say five, but go ahead. Let's split the difference. Five and a half. So 195 times 5.5. Is 1,072. What's the number? 1,125. Wow. I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to say I doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did all that just to say I I doubt. mean, he's going to have to have probably over around 200 carries to get there. And it's going to be hard for him to get 200 carries. Now, if he, sh- he might be the next Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Because he's Truly. that kind of player. Yeah, I, I don't he, disagree with I agree that. With if, you. if you told me Nick Chubb was going to play 17 games, I'd say 100% he gets there. But I don't think he's going to play 17 games. But he's such a freak. I'm changing my mind. I think he's getting there. I'm flip-flopping. I think. Stand up business. Think say I know. Stand up business. Games. Say I know. So what was say the I number? 1125? I don't want to get that crazy. 1125? 1125. So 15 games times 15 carries times 5 yards a carry is exactly 1125. Yeah. There's a reason these numbers are what they are. Yeah, all right. Record. I'm not Good just job. pulling this out of my. So what are you saying? Booty. I'm saying I think. That's I'm, what I'm. I'm going. the Grinch. Okay, so you with all me? Right, there, I doubt, and I might think. Go ahead, last one. <laughs> I pull you up for the last I'll one. I wear here. that Grinch as a badge of honor. There you go, you last should. one, last one, last one. A Brown not named Miles Garrett will finish the 2024 season with double digit sacks. <laughs> you know where I stand. You know where I stand too. <laughs> <laughs> I. I that ain't happening. I said I doubt. You did and say le- I doubt. And let me give you this stat, guys. Hmm. In the last three seasons, there's obviously 32 teams, so that's essentially 96 teams over three years. Yep. Of the 96 NFL teams in the last three years, how many, ha- how many of those 96 have had two players with 10 or more sacks? Two. 14. 14, two. All right, Jason was the closest. It's 10. So 10 out of 96, which is about 10%, okay? Now, I had to look at it even deeper. Most of those 10, of the 10 that had the two guys with double-digit sacks, six of those 10 had two guys that were like 10 and 11. 11 and a half, 10 and a half. I said, how many teams had a guy like Miles Garrett with 14 or more sacks and the second guy Philly with 10 or more. Philly, Philly last year. Four. Now, Philly had four guys. Yeah, Philly, Philly like was ridiculous. Which is crazy. Besides Philly, there's only been three teams in the last three years that have had a guy with 14 or more sacks and a second guy with 10 or more. Seattle. 
I can't remember who it was. I think it was. Niners? I think Sam Fran did yeah. it one year. Yeah. I don't remember the other two. How far did you go back? Total. How far did you go back? Three years. Three years. Three years. It was Philly. I think San Francisco. I think it was a surprise team. Like maybe uh, Jacksonville this past year. Jacksonville, yeah. Had a guy. Josh well, Allen. Josh Allen had. Josh Allen had like 15, 16. They had somebody else that had 10, I think. Yeah, I'll pull it up So right the now. odds of having a guy like Miles get 14 or more and a second guy have 10 is very slim. Doesn't happen often. The Browns had, have yeah, never tra- done it, right? Clowney got nine and a half. Yeah, nine, yeah. Uh, Trayvon Walker had 10 for the Jaguars. Right. Trayvon Walker had 10 sacks Number one overall pick the, two years ago. I don't ago. think – does anybody think the Browns have a player on their roster currently capable right of 10 now. sacks besides I mean, Miles? Double O. Could, could – J-O-K. Right? I was just going to say – J-O-K. I was thinking How that How many through. sacks did J-O-K That's have? what I was thinking of. Three and a half. But, but, 10, but to jump to ten, I just think that it's, it's there. Possible. It's there it's with possible. him. If there, if you maybe well, pick a guy on the current roster right now to do it, it'd yeah. be JOK. My my question is, what position is he playing next year? Wasn't he doing the same thing he did this year? I have to do the exact. Was he same playing thing. outside or was he playing Mike? He was playing outside. He was outside. Yeah. So who's gonna play Mike? Taki Taki. I assume they bring Taki Taki back. Okay. I'm just asking. Because if they moved him to Mike, I think so ultimately, yeah, I agree. I agree. Unless Let him do exactly what he did this year. That's unless the Browns play. trade for another top-notch pass rusher, I don't see it happening. And I doubt they will do that because I think the first priority is getting that extra really good receiver. No, nah, because if they if they traded for another top pass rusher and took a receiver in the second round, I'll be okay with that. Right. Well, that's if they don't blow it for once with their wide receiver draft picks, but it's possible. I'm David Bell, 1,000 yards next year. No chance. <laughs> We're going to do our boldest predictions next week, so Titus, right, I'll make sure ahead, I get Mike. you to send it in. <laughs> Guys, tonight, 5 o'clock, the Ultimate 216 makes its live show debut, Earl Taped, Episode 1. Today, he's back for Episode 2, and he will be oh, doing it live. Man. Make sure you all tune in at 5 o'clock on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show channel. The link's already up. Click the Notify Me button so you get an alert when he goes live, but that should be going out right at 5 o'clock. Yesterday, Bull, you and I had a chance to sit down with Guardians outfielder Stephen Kwan. Do you yeah. want to set up the interview, and we'll toss to our conversation with Mr. Kwan. Uh, Kwan is a guy we all like. Obviously, he's been a tremendous, one of the, the, the few bright spots from the team last year. Uh, and we got into a bunch of things with him, including potential contract extension, his ability to play center field, which he did, he did a little as a rookie, but not at all last year. That and a whole lot more. Enjoy this conversation that Mike and I had with Stephen Kwan. Great to have Stephen Kwan with us. So Stephen, I, I, I wanted to, to start with this because you're out in Arizona, spring training. Uh, it's beautiful. We're stuck in the cold weather here in Cleveland. I know you're a Bay Area guy. When you come, when you when the season starts and you come from Arizona. And you come to Cleveland and what it's like in April often with terrible weather. How There's always talk about it being such a tough adjustment. How do you find that? Is it really as tough as people make it out to be playing in that often awful weather in April? Yeah, it's not very fun. Um, I mean, I think the one that gives me comfort is that we're all dealing with it. So, obviously, if if I'm cold, then the other team is cold as well. Um, I had my offseason in Chicago, and it's, it's pretty similar to, to Cleveland in that yeah. regard. So I think I'm trying to learn to play in the cold, embrace the cold. Um, but especially, yeah, when you're in Arizona and it's super warm, going to the cold is the last thing you want to do. Coming into your third se- uh, season now, Stephen, what are some of the things that you have kind of taken a you know, bigger focus in to improve your game from 2022 to 2023 and now 2023 to 2024? Yeah, so that first offseason, 22 to 23, I just remember being super wide-eyed, like, we had a great season. Playoffs didn't go how we wanted, but we still made playoffs when we really weren't supposed to. So I remember when the season ended, like I was just so relieved to be done, took some vacation, took some time off, um, was just enjoying being a big leaguer. And then next thing I know is like middle of December. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I need to get this ramped up. Uh, came into spring a little behind and I, we regulated, but it wasn't really where I wanted to be. So having this 23 to 24 year, um, I think my mindset was a lot better, a lot sharper. Um, started like October, kind of took two weeks off, mental break, but then got right back to it. And I feel like I'm in a way better spot this year than I was last year at the same time. Steve, a lot of 
you know, old school baseball people and fans see these advanced statistics like war and whatever, and they're like, what? I don't understand that. I don't know what I mean. As a player, like I, I recently, we've seen like your war for your first two years as a left fielder, you're up there with some like all-time great players. Do you, do you, I love advanced stats. I try not to be old school. Are our players in general and you specifically, do you pay attention to all of that information? I think, yeah, we do pay attention to it, but more like after the year's over. Cause I think with any stat, if you're looking at it throughout the year and you know, one game you see it go up and then the next game you see it go down, like that's going to really get in your head. Um, so like during the year, I don't really like to look at those advanced stats as much, but I think they tell a really good picture at the end of the year and kind of dissect like what went well, what, what didn't. Um, it's cool. It's definitely a cool way to kind of tangibly put a, uh, tangibly put like an idea of like where you were during the year. So yeah, I, I for me, I like it. Steven, I know, um, in, in the big leagues, you've mostly played left field. I don't think you played center or right at all last year. Is that correct? I know you did as a rookie. I can't yeah, remember, no, no. right? You only played left. So I think you mm-hmm. played about 30 innings in center field, period, in the big leagues, give or take. A lot of people have asked me, because I'm a big baseball guy, can Stephen Kwan play center field, if it were necessary, if, to, for you to play every day? And I always say yes. But do you, I'll ask you, do you think you would be as good? You're an, you're an elite left fielder. You won gold glove two years in a row. Would you, Do you think you'd be as good in center in the big leagues as you are in left? Uh, I think that's a tough. That's a tough one to say. I think like confidence. I, I kind of have to say that I would be as good, right? Just to yeah. kind of believe in my own. T- um, but yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I think it'd be pretty close, but I think as a team, that that kind of hurts us in a way because now I have to adjust to learn how to play center field, and then somebody else has to adjust to learn how to play left. Um, and you know, there's learning curves with all of that, growing pains, and you know, it might work out, but the same thing, it might not. So. Um, I know Tito at least was very comfortable. You know, if somebody's sticked in a spot and they're doing well, leave them there. Even if they may play a different position better than somebody else, like you stick to what's working and what's uh, what's been what's been rolling. Um, obviously, Vogue, I'm sure will have a different kind of mindset, but yeah. that's that's kind of where I that's kind of where I feel with it. You mentioned Tito and Vogue, which was my next question anyway. But you spent your first two years in the pros with a future Hall of Famer, a legend. And Terry Francona, you move on to Stephen Vogt now, who's making his managerial debut this season. It's early, and you guys have barely gotten to Arizona, but what are some of the little differences you've noticed from your early conversations with Stephen Vogt that just are a little different and a different way of thinking than how Terry did it for the last, what, three decades in the MLB, which worked, but, you know, new year, new era, new mindset is always, uh, or change is always not always a bad thing. Yeah, I think mindset is kind of hard to see still. Uh, I talked to him on the phone a couple times. He seems really genuine, really cool. Um, yeah, not a not a dig towards Tito, but I think the biggest thing that I realize is different is uh, you see Vogue everywhere walking around. He's all up in the field. He's in the dugout. He's chirping a little bit. Um, Tito was very sensitive when he would come out to the field and kind of make his presence known. Um, it's cool, though. It's cool just kind of seeing Vogue everywhere pop up. Um, analyzing, of course, but just kind of being one of the guys. So that's been really cool so far, and it, it kind of it helps it helps further his uh, his thing be a players players coach. The fact that he was playing two years ago, like in your rookie season, have you guys talked about that at all? That he literally was on the field with you guys two years ago. Now he's leading a ball club in this capacity. Yeah, no, it's wild. We've made jokes like we had a scouting report on him two years. Like that's still <laughs> that's still out. Um, it's cool though. I think it, it's a unique angle that he'll still have the mindset of being a player, but obviously now he's in this coaching role. Um, I think that's, that's going to be super different. I think that angle is going to lend itself really well. So again, I'm, it's going to be great in these next coming weeks, but yeah, haven't, haven't seen it, uh, develop yet. Steve, I really wanted to commend you because I think a lot of baseball, a lot of athletes in general, not just baseball players are afraid to be vulnerable are afraid to say, hey, I'm a human. I'm flawed just like anybody else. I was listening to you when you were on MLB radio a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, and I thought it was a fascinating interview. And you talked about how when you were a freshman in college, you had imposter syndrome. And I was I was blown away by that because I feel like a lot of players probably experienced that but would be afraid to admit it. And the fact that you were not afraid and you were bold 
and confident in yourself to admit that, I think can help young athletes that may have been scared that they were feeling that way and may have been afraid to talk about it. And maybe because you, a professional athlete, talked about it publicly that maybe they will be able to talk about it with a friend or a, or a therapist or whoever. So I wanted to commend you on that. I thought that was really impressive. I, I, it was fascinating to hear you talk about it. Yeah, that's super kind of you to, to say, first off. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, I had a coach tell me also, like, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be you have to be real, look yourself in the mirror and understand what's going on. I think a lot of sports in general, it's a lot of like pride, ego, like, you know, I'm going to suppress my feelings and hopefully I just work through it. And, you know, I mean, that might work for people that are like super talented and super toolsy, but I didn't have those, those kind of gifts. Um, I had to really come to terms with a lot of those things, um, understand it. And I think when you identify them, you can work through it. So I think it's super important. I think just being a great athlete, but then also being a good person. Um, if you can, handle those things as a person, I think the sports will follow. Who is the who is the current best chess player on the Guardians? Is it you? Is it Tristan? I mean, is, there some, is there a wild card out there somewhere? What, who's the champ right now? So I think the general consensus is me, but so we have a <laughs> we have a tournament next week and we've been kind of training in the locker room. Um, I've been times. Bo got me a couple times. Um, we got a guy, Daniel Schneeman. He's gotten me a couple times. Um, it's going to be a good tournament, but I think general consensus is me right now, but I think I'm, I'm slowly falling off that pedestal. So I got to get back in the lab and, and start grinding again. Any talk? I know you got to be careful about what you say, but I'll, I'll throw it out there anyway. Are you interested in conversations about an extension at this point? And have you had any conversations about it? Yeah, I'm always, I'm always open. I mean, I love yeah. Cleveland. I love the area. People love the Midwest. I love everything about it. Um, yeah, none of the talks have come up yet, but it's early. We'll see what happens, but it, it, could, it could be something really exciting that comes up. Steve Becker, I'm also always interested in having extension talks if you want to extend my contract as well. <laughs> uh, Steven, last year, almost this exact time last year, we had Will Brennan on, and I started the Will Brennan for 2023 MVP campaign. I was fighting the good fight, and then material changes happened. It didn't work out. I think he got robbed. Shohei... It was really Will Brennan's award. It was close. It was close. Yeah. So, Stephen, I want to present this, uh, this opportunity to you. I will be the champion, the campaign manager of the Stephen Kwan 2024 AL MVP award. If you, wanna, if you want it, first off, do you accept? I, I will be your champion and campaign manager for that award campaign if you, uh, you accept. And there's only one caveat. Did he freeze? No. Uh, yeah. Okay, he accepted. Yeah. Just wanted to make no. sure. I didn't want to. Yeah. We need. We need the opportunity to come back to a Cleveland Guardians game and throw out the first pitch again. We did it in 2022, and Curtis <laughs> snubbed us in 2023. He did snub But him. I will champion and campaign for you to win AL MVP. I will hit – I'll attack anyone on Twitter who says a single bad word about you. If you can get Curtis, let us throw out a first pitch again in 2024. They really put that on him? Yeah. That, should, that can't be a hard little thing. We as, as long as Kelsey doesn't want to come in and uh, throw that first pitch, I'm sure we can get that done. Beautiful. We did it in 2022. James is the only one that got to throw the pitch, though. I want, yeah. I want my chance to throw a pitch as well. Steven, I'm curious. Like, as fans, the fans, the fans are a little frustrated because the team, you know, there are very few additions made to the team, right? You traded for Scott Barlow, which is a sneaky, nice move. I, I like him out of the pen. You brought back Austin Hedges, who everybody loves and looks like our director. Uh, but that's it. And obviously, the one area specifically that you guys were lacking last year was power. You guys finished last in the league in home runs. Yeah, I mean, you got young guys. Maybe Bo Naylor's going to hit some home runs. Maybe Kyle Manzardo, if he gets a chance, is going to hit some home runs. But as a fan base, the fans are like, well, where are we going to get the home runs? Are you confident that you guys have the players there that can pick up the home run total? And do you share any frustration that the team didn't really spend much money this offseason? Yeah, no, I think we got the tools that we need. And I think it's probably cliche, and we've heard it a, couple, a bunch of times, but, I mean, home runs don't always equate to, you know, total offense. I think we have a lot of guys that can do multiple things. And I think, yeah, yeah I do think the home runs are going to increase with different players. I think we have a lot of guys that are maturing and figuring the league out. Um, I think we got the pieces that we need. Um, obviously, a new coaching That'll be good to kind of manage between, but I think we have our pieces. I think we had a down year last year. We were kind of just expecting to roll through things. I think 
getting our butts kicked a little bit and, and having some failure as a team, that's going to be really big to ignite that fire. Last one for me, Steven, and this is not a silly question, but it's a serious one that I'm curious about that may have a silly answer. Is there any, if you end up going in a slump, we hear about players having superstitions, slump busters to knock them out of a slump. Mark Teixeira back with the Yankees always wore a gold thong when he was in a slump, and I can't imagine players are doing that now, but do you have any slump busters up your sleeve in case you ever fall into those situations or a superstition you do to get yourself back on track if things don't go your way for yeah, a couple Yeah, but that's of not weeks? a real slump buster is something we can't talk about on the air, but go. go. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to be PG. Oh, we're, we're a yeah, family television show yeah. here, Bull. Uh, yeah, I let me think. I don't want to be that boring answer, but I, I try to stay away from the superstition because, like, college, I definitely overdid it. That's probably why I was so bad. Um, but, I mean, I was trying to – I tried everything in college. And I think transitioning to being a little more mature in the big leagues, I try not to let those things affect, you know, just stick to the routine that you trust. Um, I guess if I had to choose something, like, we get these, like, for, like, Father's Day or, like, big holidays, we get new socks. Um, and those – they're just so soft out of the package. And if, if I fall into a little hole of hitting – um, I'll just get a new pair of socks. You know, I want something nice and soft on my feet. Um, they get a little torn up in the, the washer. Um, I wish I had something better for you, like a gold. What, what were the college but, ones, Stephen? What were some of the ones freshman year of college that didn't end up working out? Oh my gosh, same cereal, same path to for, to like my class before the game. Uh, walk home the same way. It was <laughs> it was outrageous. <laughs> Stephen couldn't, couldn't talk. Hey, it was crazy. Best. And your favorite and least favorite stadiums to play in, you know, besides Cleveland? Favorite's probably Fenway because I get to play in front of the monster and left. I mean, that's just iconic. It's super cool. Um, history there is awesome. Least favorite is probably – so a lot of people would say Oakland, but I'm from the Oakland area, and I actually – I think the stadium's super charming, so I like Oakland. I think the worst one for me would be Tampa – um, during and my extra caveat is a day game because that that roof is like trans translucent. You can kind of see through it, uh, but not completely through. But if the sun's above it, it blends in with the ball, and it's Ooh. just it's not fun. Like I talk to Miles all the time. I don't know how Kevin Kiermaier won a platinum glove there. I couldn't see a dang thing out there. So that guy is a real stud. But you're you're in a bar. You don't strike me as a as a bar fight type of guy. But in theory, if you were in a bar fight. And you ha- could only take one of your teammates to fight with you. Who are you taking? Oh, definitely Josh. Not. Cl- and I, and I, I will say, yep. There, there's the picture right there. You guys already knew. <laughs> I will say, Josh is actually like contrary to what he's just on the field. Like he's a huge teddy bear. But like if you wrong one of the boys or him, and you disrespect any of us. Like then he turns into a demon. So I would follow that man. If you guys ask that question, if you had to survive on an island, I'd probably pick him. Um, that man does it all, but I I don't want it to get mixed up that he's just this like rage monster all the time. He's he's like a traditional Canadian, super nice. <laughs> and what about if you, you were doing a comedy show? Who who's your leading act? Who's the funniest guy in the team? Probably, probably Miles. Miles is just a fool. You know, I I think he would just you never know what's gonna come out. He's so good at just like running with something. His improv is pretty good. Um. He's he's got to be up there. Um, Hedges might be up there too. He's more of an act guy, but those are those are two strong ones I, w- I would go with. I know you got to run, so this will be the last last one, and we'd be remiss. Our director does look just like Austin Hedges, but you guys got him back this off season. How yeah. nice is it to have Austin back with you guys? And we know from everyone we've spoken to, he is the epitome of the ultimate clubhouse guy. Yeah, no, he was huge. So he his first day was yesterday. Um, I didn't see him in the morning, but later in the day we had live ABs. Um, and I'm walking to the plate, and all of a sudden I just hear someone from the bullpen yell, "Bring the infield or bring the outfield in!" <laughs> I was like, who, who's chirping me in live ABs? Like, there's no defenders, obviously. And I didn't reply, so he yelled it again. And I'm like, oh my god, this guy's really doing it. So he made his presence known real early. But I mean, like. <laughs> Alex heard that. He got a couple laughs. I mean, I think that's the kind of glue that you need as a, as a team. Just keep everybody close and loose, but, you know, still give everybody a hard time. It's, it's going to be a fun year with it, for sure. Steven, we really appreciate taking the time. You, we're big fans of yours, and we're hoping the Guardians have a great season, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I really appreciate the time, guys. Talk Thank soon, you. I'm sure. 
Our great chat with Stephen Kwan. Real doubt, you know, we're interviewing him, but we had a chance. To, Mike and I had a chance to talk to him before we started the interview for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Very nice, down to earth guy. Yeah. And it was interesting. Mike told the story off the air about how Mike and his girlfriend were at a, at a bar. I won't say what. I guess I won't say what it was. Did, did, doesn't was that matter. In the interview? No. What? That wasn't in the interview. It wasn't in the interview. You could say it. But it doesn't matter. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't want to do it. But but um. <laughs> Anyway, they were in a bar, and Stephen Kwan was sitting at the next table, and nobody was even noticing him, right? No, I mean, I knew who he was. I wasn't yeah. going to say anything, but, but like, not a single person there knew who he was. I made the point to him, and he's like, you're right. I'm like, unless you're Aaron Judge, basically, baseball players aren't getting noticed at restaurants for the most part. Very, very rarely. Because they look like normal people. Yeah. NBA players and NFL players yeah. tend to stick out and a little depends. bit. Yeah, it depends. I mean, like, Tyvis looks like a normal person. You know, congratulations, he, you're normal. Uh, I saw, <laughs> you know what? That's all I wanted to be in I my mean, life. I just wanted to be no, labeled as normal. Tyvis, yep. You don't stand out like, you know, you're not seven feet tall. You're but not Ty, 300 pounds. Tyvis is a big dude. No, he's a big dude. Like, but he doesn't. I don't know if it like, comes across on the show how big he is. He not, is certainly a big dude, but he's not even like. G. Bush big. No, I mean, no, no. G. Bush is like the size yeah. of a house. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm Jesus getting up giant. there and wait. But it was great talking with him. Very down earth guy. Nice guy. Obviously, he's you know he's got to believe the lineup's not good enough, but he's not going to say that. We're not, I'm not going to hold his feet to well, the fire. What would you do if he said that? You like? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> you know what? You know, to be honest with you, we suck. Yeah, we we need to get some some bats in our line. It was funny because I'm listening to MLB Radio this morning, and. They were talking about they were talking about the Cubs this morning, and Steve Phillips was saying, "Well, they don't have they don't have one big time power hitter because they don't because they haven't re-signed Bellinger yet. The expectation is they will eventually, but they haven't." And Eddie Perez, who's doing the show with him, he's like, "Yeah, but they got a bunch of guys who can hit 20, 25 home runs," and he named like five or six guys because the Cubs really they have a they don't have one elite power hitter, but they got a bunch of like. Decent power hitters. Must be nice. And I'm thinking, man, I don't, the Guardians have like <laughs> one guy that can hit 20 home runs. Jose? We take a whole bunch of 20 home runs. Two? How about they say? have two. Josh, Naylor, Naylor, Josh Naylor. Naylor. Has Naylor ever hit 20? I don't no, think so. No, but he could. He could, but like, that's I'm, a stretch. Listen, Bo Naylor. <laughs> What's that? I've heard a report that Miles Straw is coming into camp yeah, like right. 50 pounds heavier. Power hitter. You're ready to pull the jersey. You're ready to pull the jersey. Are you on for every home run he hits you? Wear the jersey again. Do I? Miles Straw. It's up. It's up. We still have your Miles Straw jersey. So Ramirez, if he's healthy, he'll hit 20. I agree with Jason. Naylor's got a shot to hit 20. Both Naylors. He missed time last year. Bo Naylor could hit 20, but it's unlikely. Probably not this year. I mean, there's not that many catchers that hit 20. It's essentially the year. Manzardo eventually, but I don't think this year. But he's not a. Even though he's Jimenez still a project power-wise. ain't a home run hitter. Jimenez, he can't get you at least He'll be 15. in that 20 range. He'll be, he could. In the range. He they could. got a, a handful of guys that are 15 <laughs> to 20 50. guys. Yeah, Jimenez I would put in that 15 to 17. But range. again, and they're not going to have an outfielder hit 20 yet again, unless they make a, you know, Loreano ain't hitting 20. No. Steve uh, we'll Kwan, him you know who will hit 20? Who? Nolan Jones. <laughs> All right, that that hurts. So we're gonna we're gonna ask everyone out there one more time. If you're watching the show, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, do us a favor. Make sure you tune in to Earl tonight, two one six show, five o'clock, the Ultimate Brown Show with G coming up tomorrow. And as always, if you don't catch the show live, you can check us out on podcasts as well. We've got two super chats, then we're gonna wrap up the show here. Matthew Dinkins said, "If I remember, Bill Simmons had Evan Mobley ranked in the top five last year. Quite a drop off." Uh, I'll double check. I'm not sure if that is accurate or not, but I know he was much higher on Evan before this season. And second, Sly says Barry needs to call Quate Casey. How do you pronounce the GM? Quessy. Quessy. Excuse me. AB needs to call Quessy and poach Justin Jefferson. They don't have a quarterback no to throw him the ball. Why would they do, do your that? old team a solid? Uh, that's not going to happen, Sly. But it's a great idea. You know, and by the way, you don't have a first round pick to trade. Even if right. by some chance the Vikings right. willing to trade him. After you call Minnesota and poach Justin Jefferson, call Kansas City and poach yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, come on. And now we're you, now you, we're talking. You, first of Kansas all, you'd have, tired of losing. Two, tired you'd of have to trade two first-round picks to get Jefferson. Jefferson. You Jefferson. don't have a first-round pick. And then pick. they will have the Jimmy rule. You can right. trade those first-round picks. And, and, and I'm sure that guy would say, well, we'll trade him a first-rounder next year. Well, this, if Justin Jefferson were in a crazy world on the market, there'd be plenty of teams willing to give up a first-round pick for him this year. Yeah. All right, Bull, yep. last topic, you, you can lead us into it. So, 
Guys, we all heard the news about what happened in Kansas City yesterday. Uh, there was a parade. Everything was great. It was going well. Everybody's having fun, except for the rest of the fans around America. And at the end of the parade, there was an incident, a shooting incident, in which one adult died. And I, I don't remember the exact number of people that got injured. 20-something. 20 22. Including, I believe, so. eight or nine children. Now, I did read this morning, thankfully, that all the children that are in the hospital are expected to fully recover, which is great news. But they, even if they do fully recover, they're scarred for life. Yes. Sure. Everybody that was near this event was scarred for life. Now, when, I don't want to say it's good news. It's news that a, the report came out today that this apparently was not what has been the case in most of these shootings, is somebody was planning to go to the, the parade and shoot people up. Apparently, that was not the case here. Apparently, this was a beef between two guys. Mike was just telling me about this when during the Quan interview. It was a beef between two guys that turned into a shootout, and there was collateral damage. I, I'm not saying that makes it any better. Um, I don't know. I, I got some thoughts, guys, but I already introed it, so if you guys want to share any thoughts you may have, I don't know. I just hate like, that. Do you, are you worried? If would you? How worried are you for your kids? Whether it's school parades going forward. Oh, every, you got little kids, Jason. You got three kids. I mean, you know, well, that that's just how we are in America now. As you always were. That's they like teaching that in class now in schools that you when a shooting happens, what to do. So yeah. it's unfortunate that that's where we're at. Um, I just hate the fact that it's just another one of those incidents where how can you go be at a place. Well, everybody's there for the same reason. We're all there to celebrate our favorite team winning the championship. How in the midst of you're supposed to be happy does that lead to y'all shooting? I don't that's the part that I don't understand. Like it was what happened that that was that bad that you thought forget the everybody around me right now. I'm mad at this guy and I want to take my frustration out on this guy or girl. Like that's what are you thinking about? Like They're why? Not, yeah, like clearly. So if you if you know you got a temper or something like that, you got to do a self check and say I can't handle being around people like that. Because what you think is in the in the midst of trying to get that one person, you don't realize that you're putting everybody else in jeopardy. So if you know you got a temper like that, or you can't handle a certain situation or de-escalate a situation properly, then you might need to remove yourself from that. Because now you're ruining moments, things that we don't know Kansas City. We think Kansas City will win multiple championships for the, from here on out, but what if that's the last one? Like, that's what their lasting memory will be, that our parade got shut down because of a shooting. Like, that's – it's just uh, people got to start being aware of the situations and stop ruining good moments. It seems like every time you out there having the best time of your life, something bad happens every single time. And it's it's annoying. It's like that's why people don't go nowhere no yeah. more. You got to sit in the house now. Jason? It's numbing. It's just yeah. numbing. And when you talk about kids and sending the kids out, every single morning, I got a 13-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. Every single morning, I give them a hug and a kiss, and I tell them I love them. And I'm telling you, there's this thought in the back of my head. I watch them walk out the door, yeah. and I pray to God that they come home to me. Yeah. How insane is that, that this is the world that we live in? Yeah. But every single morning, I watch them walk out the same door, and I pray that they come home. And the, it, it's, I, I just, I, it's I, just numbing at this point. Yeah, I think you'll experience this when your kids go to school, unfortunately. Um, I have the same thought when I drop off my son. I take him to school every day, and I'm like, who knows if this is the day. Uh, you know, the school he goes to, there's a police officer that's there we every the day, same. which is good, but... You know, who the hell knows? We've seen other situations where there's been a police officer and it still hasn't gone well. Yeah. And, I, I mean, the sad part is no matter what we say, no matter what anybody says, everybody goes on Twitter and does what says whatever they say, nothing's going to change. We. Um... If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The, it's not a simple fix, obviously, to this problem. 
you know, people want to say it's this, it's this, it's this. It's not one thing. It's a lot of things. Yes, there is a gun problem. There are too many guns in America. Um, nobody, nobody's trying to take away shotguns from hunters. Nobody's trying to do that. But it would make sense that guns where you can, you know, shoot 100 people at once, and I know nothing about guns, should at the very least be harder to get. It seems like common sense. That's not, shouldn't be political. I don't understand. I don't understand why some topics have become political. Don't we all, no matter who we vote for, no matter what our beliefs are, want our kids to be safe? Absolutely. And yeah, there's other issues. Some of these people are have mental problems and our, the way our healthcare system is sucks. But there's a reason why we are, there's more gun deaths in America per capita than any civilized country in the world. It's because we have more guns than every civilized country in the world. That's just it. That's the biggest part of it. It's not. It's certainly not the on, only part of it. But it's. You, I mean, come on. We gotta all keep. Can we be together on something? That kids getting shot. That people getting killed for no reason is wrong. <laughs> but you know, I'm spitting in the wind. Nothing's gonna change. Politicians are in it for their pocketbooks, and they care about nothing else. So it's. It's sad. It's. I know you're getting emotional. I feel the same way. I, I worry about it. I go to a restaurant and I think about the emergency exits. I actually have these thoughts. I'm like, somebody comes in here with a gun. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, you think about I thought I was thinking about it at the Cavs game last night. Now you have metal detectors that you have to yeah. walk through. Uh, so hopefully that would sniff anything out. But yeah. there's 20,000 people in you there. You never know. And you just, I, when I was at the Super Bowl, and I, covered, I think I've mentioned this before, and I covered the Super Bowl in 2019, the Patriots yeah. and Rams, and the amount of people shoulder to shoulder on the streets in Atlanta. Yeah. There was a heavy police presence, but you look around and think it just takes one guy mm. and there's 50 people dead like that. I never know. Sad day. Hopefully something will change, but I doubt it. All right, more on overtime coming up next. See you in a minute. Peace. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.